Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by editor of thewolfpacker.com and co-host Matt Carter. And today, we've got a special show for you. It's March. Basketball continues to dominate the conversation. We'll start with a little bit of transfer, uh, or as Matt Matt Carter likes to call it, silly season talk. Um, some dominoes, early dominoes starting to fall as it relates to NC State. We'll move on, talk about NC State women and their uh, bracket path to reaching a Final Four. They are once again a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, women's tournament kicks off on Friday, so we'll talk about what everyone is talking about amongst the Wolfpack women. And uh, maybe we'll end it with a little bit of uh, Carlos Rodon talk newest San Francisco Giant and uh, happy to see a fellow Pac Pro move out to the Bay this spring. Uh, but before we get into our show here, a uh, couple reminders for the listeners and viewers at home. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up. Uh, I know you know, the football season was so prosperous and there were so many great wins that I think the viewers and listeners at home, they had all this enthusiasm. They were smashing that like button, but then basketball season happened. They stopped smashing that like button as much. So here's a friendly reminder. Please, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, uh, please hit that like button, that thumbs up button that helps us out tremendously, helps out all those algorithms that Google has for YouTube so that 
we can reach more Wolfpack fans. So, uh, also, head over to thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of a special deal that the On3 network has going on right now. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network, which includes all of the great work at thewolfpacker.com. So if you haven't already, take advantage of that deal. Head over to thewolfpacker.com right now and do it. Okay, Matt, let's talk about silly season. Transfers. NC State, couple of... Uh, you know, not so unexpected moves here as NC State's season ended last week in the ACC tournament. No postseason play beyond that for the Wolfpack, and I don't think fans are that upset about not having to watch another NIT game this season. Uh, but what they are interested in is what's going to be the roster movement in the offseason. And last week, or in the past few days here, we've seen that Jalen Gibson has entered the transfer portal and Cam Hayes point guard of NC State, starting point guard for many games at NC State, has also transferred or has also entered the transfer portal. Both members of the 2020 class, both sophomores that entered in that COVID summer, um, weird class, I'd say weird, weird experience for that class. That's really the first class that was really, really disrupted by the pandemic. Um, but now of that six man class that NC State had, only one remains, E.B. Duwana. So, Matt, um, just your, your initial reaction to seeing Hayes and Gibson enter the transfer portal. Was there any element of surprise there for you? And, um, you know, what seems to be – where where do you think those guys will be landing spot-wise? Just to give some perspective for fans as to, you know, what kind of moves they might end up making this summer. Yeah, not surprised. You know, we, we do a premium chat every Wednesday on the on the site. Justin used to be a uh this clock every noon, right? Justin to to, to land onto the uh chat into the chat and we talked about you know, somebody asked me about transfer chat. I don't like mentioning names. I know other people do mention names, drop names, drop rumors, but uh, let's go back to last year when everybody was rumors that uh Shaquille Moore was gone in March. Well, then he wasn't, right? He came back. But eventually he left in like late April, early May. Um, but the whole, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? You know, it, was, it was unproductive. And Manny Bates, everybody had him gone, right? And then he didn't leave. So I've been around long enough to know that this happens quite a bit. <laughs> the guys get the, the, the young men who are still trying to find their way. But I did say in the chat, I would allow that there were two players that had very strong rumors about going into the portal. And those were Jalen Gibson and Cam Hayes. And I, I think for different reasons, you know, in the case of Jalen Gibson, you know, a, a chance to maybe get a, a place where he can compete a little bit more, I guess is the nice, uh, the best way to put it. Um, you know, he tried... Jalen Gibson gave maximum effort, but uh, wasn't quite ready yet for the ACC. And honestly, I think he understood that NC State was probably going to go out and look to upgrade itself in the paint next year, which meant questionable how much playing time he could have gotten if that happened. Um, so I think for, in the case of Jalen Gibson, looking for a, a better opportunity to succeed going forward is his motivation. 
Uh, and then the case of Cam Hayes, I think that's a case of uh, a, a needed a fresh start. It clearly, you know, he's the one we can probably talk about more. But, I, you know, when Josh Hall went pro instead of coming to NC State, Cam Hayes became the face of that recruiting class for NC State. And, and there were high expectations for him coming to NC State. You know, kind of up and down, finish well. I think that's important that that first year he did finish well his last eight games of the season. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if it, the expectation, the pressure that he may have put on himself kind of got to him a little bit, but he just slumped this year and just never got out of it. And uh, yeah, I think sometimes you could just use a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's the case with Cam Hayes. You know, if you're looking at entry state, it's probably good that you get those two scholarships to use and upgrade your roster because without it, they look, they had no scholarship to give until they freed up. So uh, I expect entry state to try to find some guys in the portal to replace him. But yeah, I I could see a Jalen Gibson going to somewhere like a UNC Wilmington type where Takeo Siddle, former NC State assistant coach, is, is uh, on, on the bench, that might be a good spot for somebody like Jalen Gibson as for uh, Cam Hayes. I'm sure some, if not a power five, some very prominent mid-major, like a Houston type level mid-major, uh, somebody's gonna be willing to give him a chance to, to try to revitalize the potential that he had and maybe find a better fit for him. And, uh, you know, and, and bet on a, a fresh start unlocking his potential. So it would not be surprised me if he comes up with a pretty decent, you know, landing spot. Somewhat similar like Shaquille Moore last year when he ended up at Mississippi State. Something similar to, similar to, to that. But it is, you mentioned that 2020 class. That was a class that was much hyped. You know, Kevin Keith put a lot of stock into that class. And yeah, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that that class is pretty much all gone and that entry state is in the position that it's in currently. Yeah, um, I mean, the Cam Hayes situation, it's unfortunate. You know, last year he was, uh, you know, a fan favorite freshman. Uh, I I was one of, I was, I think I was driving some of the hype early on in the season, maybe. Uh, you know, a non-conference play, he dazzled with some great performances early on in his NC State career. His assist-to-turnover ratio was fantastic early on in his freshman campaign he was shooting the ball at a high clip then he got covid hit a little bit of a lull and uh you know by the time he got his minutes back in that freshman season it was you know his first year playing in acc you know at, at the acc level and really he really struggled for for a majority of that conference slate um, you know, he had a good, I think he had, you know, solid minutes against UNC in his first, I think that was his first game back from the COVID experience in that season, that 2020-2021 season. Um, you know, the Daniels injury wasn't timely for his development, but it also put him in a situation where he was the guy overnight. He, he didn't really have that much help in that backcourt, um, considering, you know, Allen was a guy that was injured last year. Shaquille Moore was also in that backcourt, but was never really a primary ball handler for this team. And this is also 
early in Darion Sebron's development. So Sebron was hardly ever bringing the ball up the court, um, you know, in that in in the 2020-2021 season. Ends that season with a high note though, because he played so well in that final five five game stretch where NC State won five in a row to end the season, a few of which on the road. Um, you know, I can remember specifically that Pittsburgh game. That was, I mean, Cam Hayes was the best player in that in that game um, last season, and you thought maybe he can carry some of that momentum into a sophomore campaign. We talk about sophomore slumps. Well, what about getting better your sophomore year? That can happen just as much. Uh, and this season, you know, it was different surrounding cast. You didn't really have a go-to player uh, in the front court like a DJ Funderburg or a Manny Bates from the season prior. Uh, you know, that really that really doesn't help things in terms of a developing guard to try to create space and, and play make. I mean, it, it's hard to ask a playmaker to make plays when there's only but so many guys that are able, capable of knocking down shots around you. Um, and then, you know, as the season progressed, coaching decisions had to be made in desperation because Manny Bates is hurt in game one. And you see, you know, the, the product that that produces, they try to stick with the original game plan and, and Cam Hayes being the primary ball handler running the offense. And then Darion Sebron takes off in his development. He has an amazing non-conference slate and you you know, you get to that end of that non-conference slate, and that's when the switch was made where, you know, let's put the ball in Sebron's hands more, let him set things up, because at the very least, you know, if there's no options, he can at least put his head down and, and try to rip it to the rim. And I, I think all of that probably led to some, you know, mental aspects in Cam's game where it just hurt his confidence. The shots weren't going down either that didn't help um you know eventually he he lost his starting role and i think you know by that point the ball the momentum or rather negative momentum was just so prominent that like you said matt i think it's just time for a fresh start uh i don't think it's an indictment on cam hayes as a player i think he still uh, you know has the potential to be a very solid college player and, and a player that you know maybe one day can go play professionally in Europe um, and, and have success at another Power 5 program. I saw on Twitter just this morning, I think Tennessee and Houston have already reached out to Hayes. I'm sure he'll have you know a solid list of teams going after him. But, but yeah, it just it wouldn't make sense for him to come back. I think it's a, I think it's a situation where it's for the best for both parties. And uh, the unfortunate thing about it, Matt, I mean, you remember my nickname for Cam Hayes last year. I called him the future. And and I wasn't wrong. Uh, I think I was just wrong with the trajectory because yes, he was the Cam Hayes was the future of this team. Um, Kevin Keats needs a strong point guard. Look at his track record. When he has a strong point guard, he has strong teams. He wins games. When he doesn't have a strong point guard, he ha- he he doesn't put a winning form product on on the court and you know maybe one day that will change but that's just the fact of the matter at this point in his coaching career and unfortunately for Hayes it didn't work out this year and you know sometimes the future can be good and sometimes the future can be bad but unfortunately the 2020 class has not worked out and it's now time to pivot and realize that you know 
current state of college basketball, Matt, I told you before this podcast, if you're Kevin Keats, if you're the NC State basketball program, you almost kind of have to sell out for next season. Um, but but when I started thinking about it as we were recording this podcast, Matt, that's just college basketball now. You, you, mm-hmm. there, why why build? You, you can't build a program. You just have to sell out for the next season, every single off season, and find a way to win the transfer portal until something changes. Yeah, kind of like you you try to find your pieces in the high school ranks. Hope you can hold on. You'll sign three or four guys. Hope that one or two of them will turn out to be program guys for you, and then you're constantly are complimenting them with with transfer portal additions. I mean, it's it's uh, like bringing up a baseball team, right? Like we're going to talk about baseball. You got your minor league system. You're hoping that that minor league system will produce a few regular players for you that you can count on, and then you you supplement them and you complement them with free agents or trades or what have you, and that's kind of what college basketball it is a year-to-year proposition which is one thing that nc state fans can maybe have a little bit of hope about it look it's not the old days where if you're bad it's a three or four year process before maybe or not that far but at least a two or three year process it's getting it won't be long before it's kind of year to year where you're going to have your elite teams your gonjagas uh, your Kentucky, we'll see what happens with Duke and UNC, but those teams will always be elite. Kansas, they'll always be elite. But that next tier in the ACC, for instance, one year Wake Forest can be last, and the next year right on the NCAA tournament bubble. Miami, Notre Dame, toward the bottom of the league last year into the NCAA tournament. Just in one year. What did they do? A, they did. They returned some significant pieces. But B, Notre Dame went out and got Paul Atkinson from Yale. Miami got Charlie Moore uh, from wherever he came from. I forget. Cal. Off the top of my head. Well, thank he you, Cal. Was, yeah. I think he was like two or three schools. Yeah, he he, I don't he, he, tra- he transferred around, but uh, he he, he <laughs> yeah. was at Cal at one point. Yeah. Wake Forest obviously had a lot of transfers. Alondis Williams being most notable. So if you strike it right in the portal. You can elevate yourself really rapidly. And then, of course, there's still the big decisions that have to be made. Will Manny Bates come back? Will Darion Sebron come back? I, I have argued if both of those guys come back with Quavion Smith, you're not that far away from being right back into Big Dan's picture, assuming that you, you use these two scholarships well and get yourself a point guard and some more big guy help so that you're not in a position where you fall off a cliff with an injury. But... I think you brought it up well about Cam Hayes in the future. What went wrong this season? Two things. Everybody points to Manny Bates. It wasn't just Manny Bates. It was also Greg Gant and Onis Wall. And you were literally left with just two guys in the paint and two guys who were probably not ready at this moment, right? But also the point guard play. You really would rather have Darion Sebron be in your wing forward, not your point guard. But he had to play point guard because you just didn't have another option. Cam Hayes just struggled too much. Breon Path, who I like quite a bit, uh, and I hope everybody's patient. You know, he's patient to allow himself the time to develop, and then she stays patient enough to give him more and more playing time. I think he could develop into a point guard in the ACC, but not as a freshman, not as a true freshman, right? And so 
Well, yes, a lot of people point to the big man issue, and I know that's what Kevin Keats talked about a lot. I do think that with the other aspect of why this season went off the rails, they didn't have a point guard, and they had to make do with Darion Sebron playing point guard. And you know, he handled it, but that's not his natural position. He's not going to be playing point guard in the pros, put it that way. And, so. and to add, just to add to that point real quick, Matt, about, about you know Keats pointing to the big man situation – I don't think he's sitting back thinking, oh, wow, you know, I've had great point guard play all season. He knows that the point guard position was a problem. He's not Coach K, though. He's not He's not the type of guy that's going to throw his players under the bus. He's always going to be positive about his players and any type of availability. I've never heard him say a bad word about any, any play. I mean, that's just not his style. Now, maybe behind closed doors he's more critical, but when he talks to the press – He's complimentary. He's trying to build his players up. And there was going to be nothing productive from him saying, well, I just don't have a point guard right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he would acknowledge if a player is struggling, right? And he acknowledges if a, if a guy is not ready for prime time. You know, he talked about that with the big guys, that they're not, they're not ready and they're being thrown into the wolves and it's hard. And he talked about that with uh, Cam Hayes struggling. He, he acknowledged he struggled, but frankly – I thought Kevin Keith gave um, uh, Cam Hayes a very long lead last year. I mean, I was one of those that was on the, on the message board saying, I personally would be giving Bouillon Path an opportunity to see what he could do here at Cam Hayes. And honestly, it was just a shot. Cam Hayes just could not buy a shot, and I kind of think that affected the other parts of his game. You know, last year, very reliable in terms of steadiness with the assist to turnovers, not very, but reliable. And this year in ACC play, he had as many turnovers as assist. Now, it was hard to have assist when you don't have a team that can shoot. But still, that that's a problem. And, um, you know, and there were some other things. That, like Sometimes you saw some defensive lapses. You just saw some mistakes that you could tell that a guy clearly struggling to be focused and locked in mentally. And I, I think it's a stem from the fact that he lost his three-point shot. So hopefully it'll work well for him. I, he's too talented not to have some success at the college basketball level. Well, hopefully in future podcasts coming up, we will be talking about additions from the transfer portal rather than subtractions. But, uh, you know, I think that'll do it for our transfer talk. Um Last question for you, Matt. I you don't have to name any anybody specific, um, and you can be vague as you as you need to be here. But do you expect any other transfers to come? I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, those were the only two that I was uh, no, I was uh, fairly expecting. I would say that, but I, there's still roster decisions that have to be made, and there'll be byproducts of those roster decisions as well. I think the main thing to focus on right now is what is Manny Bates going to do, what is Darion Sebron going to do, and, and hopefully we'll get those kind of decisions coming here in the near future. I think it would benefit entry State um, if those two would kind of settle, settle on a decision sooner that rather than later so that Kevin Keith can kind of start figuring out the rest of his roster and, and start going fishing in the transfer portal. Well, let's, let's talk about the women. Uh, let's not talk about the transfer portal because 
you know, silly season might have begun for the men, but for the women, the real season is just beginning. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into the talking points of, uh, you know, we don't, we don't need to dive into the numbers of, uh, you know, NC State's potential matchup with 16th seeded. Here, I, don't, I mean, I'm, I don't even have the name in front of me. I'm trying to pull up my bracket. Longwood, Longwood or Mount St. Mary's. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say NC State's going to win no matter who, uh, who they face in that game at, in Reynolds in Raleigh. I also think NC State is going to beat either Washington State or Kansas State in Raleigh with a home court advantage over two teams that they've both demolished in the regular season. Are we on the same page so far, Matt? I think that, particularly with the game being in Reynolds. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the one team, I think it's Kansas State has another big girl that really really good but yeah i mean you're i think NC State's kind of a cut above so yes i would expect with the home court advantage and she they took forced fourth straight trip to the sweet 16. okay so i have nc state and penn in my sweet 16 which sends the wolf pack to bridgeport connecticut and i think that is where the conversation starts to get interesting about nc state's path to a first final four and what would be what now over three decades um nc state looking yeah, at a potential yeah yeah what it was 89 matt i'm trying no, no no 98 98 they made the final four in 98 98 oh okay 89 okay yeah. yeah anyway it was yeah the acc championship was bad they they went to the final four sooner than they had won an acc championship kind of kind of confusing anyways they're trying to accomplish something that has not been done since Westmore has come to the program and has turned this program into a national powerhouse. NC State looking at a potential matchup, if you're looking at the five or four seeds, presuming that they will advance to the Sweet 16, either a matchup with Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Notre Dame is a team that NC State lost to in the regular season. Um, so, you know, potential one to circle right there. But... Where the conversation gets really interesting is at the bottom of the bracket, if you assume that NC State takes care of business against Notre Dame or Oklahoma, well, you look at the bottom of the bracket, the two seed, UConn. The three seed, Indiana. The four seed, or excuse me, the six seed, Kentucky. Kentucky beat South Carolina in the SEC tournament. Uh, South Carolina was the juggernaut that NC State lost to in the season opener this season and has just plowed its way through college basketball has beaten basically all of the top ranked teams um the presumed favorite to win the whole thing indiana is a team that nc state has a lot of history with considering that indiana knocked nc state out of the ncaa tournament last year with a surprising sweet 16 upset but what gets people really talking is the yukon huskies who now have Paige Beckers, this, the the number one star of call? Eh, I guess Caitlin Clark is probably it's it's tough marketability. Paige Beckers probably the number one star of women's basketball. Uh, just play on the court, probably Caitlin Clark of Iowa. But UConn is a healthy UConn team, and they are going to be, you know, leveraging a home court advantage in Bridgeport, considering. Bridgeport is an hour and a half away from Stores, Connecticut, where the University of Connecticut is based. 
I see a lot of people upset on Twitter, Matt, and I have an opinion on this, but I want to hear what you have to say about NC State's bracket trajectory. My question for you to lead this conversation, did the NCAA screw NC State again? Is this just another thing to put on the list after the College World Series debacle and Chandler Zavala and, uh, you know, putting them through the ringer and men's basketball for two years to eventually get to, you know, probation. Um, is this just another thing that NC State fans should be mad about at the NCAA for making the Wolfpack women go to Bridgeport uh, and potentially face UConn in the Elite Eight? Uh I guess I have a nuanced answer. The, the short answer is, yeah, sure, you should be mad about it. It's not fair. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying that. That's not fair. But it's also, look, they kind of got that benefit about four years ago when I think they were a, a, a six seed, maybe? What were they? Three seed, maybe? When they went to the Sweet 16 and, 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 and the Greenboro region? I believe. I can't remember what seed they were. Um, was that when they beat Kentucky? Remember. To go to the Sweet 16? Might have been. I can't okay. remember who they played, play, but um, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. I mean, it was a business decision. I can't hate the business decision. So I kind of have a, look, I'm not going to hate on the decision where, look, we can make a lot of money if we put Connecticut in this region. We've already sold 75% of the tickets. We'll get it up to 100 It'll be a huge success. It'll look great on television with a sold-out crowd, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, Connecticut in the Final Four is good for us, too. So, you know, doesn't hurt to have them in Bridgeport. Um, truth is, if it paid, paid Beckers wasn't hurt, they're probably the number one seed in Bridgeport, Connecticut, right now. And and that's an entry state probably out the number one seed in one of the other reasons. So... Um, I, I, is it fair? No, of course not. It's not fair. It doesn't follow the S curve. It doesn't follow anything that's fair. And the explanation that Nina King gave was kind of a big blah. You know, come on now. That was my reaction. Come on now. Can we be honest that I, you know, look, in the women's tournament, right or wrong, regional focus still matters. And they do put some regional emphasis on it. And it's just the way it, it, it broke down. Eventually, you're going to have to beat a good team if you want to win the national championship. And that's what we're talking about with NC State. Talking about winning a national championship. Right? So it's not like with very rare exception. I think Duke in 2010 on the men's side, the only time I can remember a team that basically backdoored their way into a national championship because every single round, the team in front of them lost. Like, you remember uh, West Virginia lost, uh, Kentucky lost with John Wall. I think West Virginia beat him. Then they had to play like an eight-seed butler in the NCAA championship. Gordon Haywood and Missy the shot. That was the only time I can remember a team basically win a championship without having to play a really good team. So, they're going to have to play a good team. It sucks that you pretty much have to do it on a road game. That's the one element of it that stinks, and it's not fair. That's, you can say it. It's not fair, but you can also say you know, there's nothing you can do about it, right? So don't cry about it. Get over it and do the best you can. 
I'm glad you have that opinion, Matt, because to me, there is nothing lamer than complaining about bracket luck, bracket draw, bracket path, whatever you want to call it. You're right. I mean, if you want to win a national championship, you're going to have to beat the best teams in the country. What is what is uh, Alyssa Kunain said multiple times? I can remember her saying it multiple times when I've been in these press conferences. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. That's what they're thinking. And you know what? It's fine. For, it, fans have whatever reaction you want. That's that's the beauty of sports. You're you're not competing. You can you're entitled to whatever your opinion your take is. But if I'm Wes Moore, I I don't want to hear an ounce. An ounce of this is unfair that we got to go to Connecticut to play UConn. If I'm NC State right now, if I'm any player in that locker room, I want the smoke. I want UConn. Because you know what the number one way to cement your status is as a power player in women's basketball? Is to beat, is to beat UConn. Because they're, they're number, I mean, there's great programs and there's UConn. UConn is is women's basketball. Is 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 the Yankees, is the Dallas Cowboys. They are that uh New England Patriots as of recent in the NFL. They are that of women's college basketball. They have the success, they have the rings. If you're NC State, you know, you really don't have I mean, you know, you're talking about an elite 8. Yeah, a final four appearance, you got that to lose. But what about what 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 is there to gain? You got a lot to gain. You're the one seed. You're wearing white in their region. They're gonna have to wear the road, you know, the road colors, and you can go in there and beat them. And you're probably gonna be the underdog. And you know what? NC State does pretty well in that underdog role if history, um, you know, proves to repeat itself here as of recent under Wes Moore. Because you know, I, I didn't. I don't recall anybody complaining about bracket luck last year. And uh, did NC State get to the Final Four? No, they they didn't even get to the Elite Eight. I didn't hear anybody complaining about. Oh no, we got to play Indiana in the Sweet Sixteen. So you know, any of these te- anybody can get knocked off. But to me, it's just it's just so lame to complain about a, p- a potential game because because UConn could get knocked off before this. Like it's not a guarantee that UConn's going to be in the Elite Eight. We think UConn's going to be the in the Elite Eight. But Indiana's a good team. Kentucky just beat the best team in the country. Why are we just assuming that UConn's going to be in the Elite Eight? They actually have a tougher path to get to the Elite Eight than NC State does because NC State's the one seed. So, miss me with all of that. Nobody was screwed. Is it on? Is it? Uh, I will acknowledge it's not fair. But you know what else isn't fair? Every single season, the ACC tournament is played in Greensboro. Okay, the the women's tournament at least. Men's, men's tournament, different discussion. And and I'm a, I'm a believer that the, the women's tournament should be in Greensboro every year. I, I wish the men's tournament was every year, although I know it wouldn't make financial sense. For the women, it makes financial sense and it makes logical sense. But it's not really fair to Louisville if they want to win an ACC championship and they got to come to Greensboro Coliseum and 8,000 people are wearing red and they're not wearing the Louisville red. They're not rooting for the Cardinals. Okay, so so if you're going to complain about having to maybe face UConn in the Elite Eight, we'll then also acknowledge that, 
you know, these ACC championships, the three that NC State has just won, you know, it's been a little bit nice to have it in Greensboro. And do you think, and NC State, in my opinion, they would have won those championships, whether it was in Greensboro or Washington, D.C., okay? It's great that they had the support of the home fans. But to me, it takes away from what they accomplished, too, if you're like, oh, well, they won it in Greensboro because there was a home court advantage, and, you know, whoever has home court advantage wins. It just, it just, it just doesn't work that way. So, it, I don't know. That, I have a strong opinion about this, and I hope mm-hmm. NC State plays UConn. I want them to play UConn because I want them to beat UConn, and that, you know, to me is – I mean, it's equivalent of winning a national title in my book. What if they played UConn, lose on a budget shot? Like they had like a seven-point lead, but then the crowd rallies UConn and last but UConn wins on a budget shot, and then UConn goes to Final Four and obliterates uh, whoever they play and win the national championship. And you look back and say, well... If they hadn't been for that home court crowd pushing UConn to win it, we would have been the team that would have gone to the Final Four. In the... so that's where I think the young... I think you acknowledge that's where a little bit of the unfairness sure. of it comes sure. into. I'd r- I'd rather them play the Elite Eight in Reynolds Coliseum. I would mu- I would much <laughs> rather that be the case. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world, and we do live in a world where UConn has the strongest women's basketball fan base in the country. NC State's up there. Don't get me wrong, but they're not UConn. U- UConn can sell out the arena, can sell out the arena just as much as the men when both of them are good. NC State women are also selling out arenas, so I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into a fan base comparison here. But they're, you know, they're trying to make money, and they're going to put it in Bridgeport, and they probably thought UConn was going to be a one seed. And my response to that, if that happens, Matt, you know, you're allowed to play defense. You are, well, you, you know. are allowed to play defense. Yeah, I would say too. Like, remember when they, uh, you were there. Could have NC State gotten past Florida State, who had what, like a five point lead with three or four minutes to go? If, if the crowd didn't go crazy when Ace Koenig hits a big three and all of a sudden you see Florida State starting to tighten up. I mean, that was a factor, right? Late in that game. Uh, and you can, yeah, you can it, see was a, that, it was a factor. I mean, it, you know. It, it was sure. It was, it was, now the Louisville, when they beat Louisville last year, there was nobody there. It was a, it was a very sparse crowd, a limited size crowd. So I didn't true. put too much into that. And this year, and she they got the luck of the not luck of a draw, but you know they were fortunate that the teams kind of fell the way they did. They didn't really need a home court crowd. To, yeah. This year they they were kind of taking care of business. But I agree with you. That look, I would love for the women's committee to say. You know, screw regionality. We're just going with the S curve, and maybe we can make accommodations here or there. But in the S curve, Connecticut would have had to been um, the second best two seed. So I don't know if that's the case or not. Right. I truly don't. Um, I, I, that might actually make some sense if you had entry state as the third number one seed. I'm presuming, obviously, South Carolina with the number one overall seed. I don't know who was two or three between Stanford or NC State. I don't think they've said. We know they were two or three because they would play each other in the final four if everything lines up. So clearly they were two or three, which means Connecticut either had to be six or seven on the S curve. And I think a debate was between Louisville and somebody else for that last one seed, right? 
I can't remember. Oh, Louisville um, and uh, maybe I, it wasn't UConn, was it? If it was UConn, then that's where you would say, okay, you went away from the principles of how you're supposed to do it, where you, you just do an S curve, one, two, three, four, and then oh, two, five. Ba- ba- Baylor's the two, which would make sense. And it, okay, Baylor's, Baylor's the, the two, two and the Louisville. Yeah. So it may have played out that way on the S curve, but um, yeah, that's what it was just a business decision. They make them. They, you know, they do the same thing in the men. Why do you think Raleigh and Charlotte and Greenboro and Greenville, South Carolina, get so many regional Winston Salem, where I grew up, has had a bunch of uh, first and second round games? Why is that the case? They're banking on UNC and Duke being able to play in those arenas and filling them up and being good seeds. It's just part of the process. It's just how it works. It's, it's unfortunate when you're that somebody was going to catch that bad break. Unfortunately, for NC State, you saw it coming. I think we've talked about it. Yeah. You saw it coming. We talked you about it, it for months. Come. Yeah. You knew it was going to come. And honestly, the best way to have avoided all that would to beat South Carolina in the season opener. If they have beaten South Carolina in the season opener, they get Greensboro, especially with South Carolina losing to Kentucky in the SEC tournament. I will say, I have to question, though, because I don't know women's basketball well enough. But, man, that seems like a really hard bracket. I mean, that was like – I even think one of the ladies on the on the show said, they were asking her what what stood out about the bracket. She goes, the bracket, <laughs> when it came to NC State's region. Yeah. Um, SEC champion, uh, Kentucky, you have Connecticut, you have NC State. Uh, you have Notre Dame, which is the only ACC team to beat NC State. I don't know enough about Oklahoma. Obviously, Indiana was top 10 all season and went to the Big Ten title game. So, on the surface, it seemed like that was the most loaded challenge in bracket in the field, I would have to guess, in the tournament. Well, as Kanane says, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And uh, we'll see. I'm excited. I mean, you know, to me, I, I just want to see I want to see some good basketball. I'm excited to see NC State get tested a little bit and see, you know, because just didn't – I mean, I, they didn't really get tested too much during the regular season. And they definitely weren't tested in Greensboro. I mean, uh, they were tested when Louisville was up double digits. And then what they do? They outscored them, what, 30 to 4 points in the fourth quarter? I mean, they just dominated them. And that was a that's a one seed. So if they can do that to a one seed, I think they I think they're capable of doing whatever. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, last thing, as I already mentioned in the intro, Carlos Rodon, uh, amongst the favorites of NC State baseball Pac pros or Pac nine pros, whatever you want to call them, going to San Francisco, heading out west. You're gonna have you're gonna have Carlos Rodon. Trey Turner battling it out. Dodgers, Giants, West Coast rivalry, Pac Pro rivalry. Should be fun. Baseball's back. I don't know. Any any thoughts, Matt Carter? Yeah, the Giants, don't they also have Will Wilson and Patrick Bailey? They and sure, Nick Swinney, right? They sure do. I mean, honestly, hop 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 on look, you're looking for a baseball team, uh you know, you're an Oakland A's fan, and, and you know, I don't know why you're an well, Oakland I, A's fan well, if you're an NC State fan, but uh, 
you know, they're they're having a fire sale. They're you know, they they're not interested in winning. So you're looking for a new team. I'll give, there you go. I'll Giants. give I'll, I'll give Oakland a pass because Oakland has a has a history of them in the way I always give a pass because when they do dismantle their team, they've shown a history of clearly knowing how to get it back up quickly. Um, but the Cincinnati Reds, they're the ones that I don't give a pass right now. But anyway, yeah, the Giants are basically – I, I have to imagine Elliot Avent has been on Amazon.com looking up San Francisco Giants gear. Probably doesn't have to. I'm sure he can just ask Carlos to hook him up. But yeah, um, I'm sure he has a closet full of Giants gear and checking out the summer schedule and maybe planning a, a summer vacation. I mean, he well, I mean, he he could knock out two birds with one stone just going to a Dodgers Giants series because I mean, a if you're a baseball fan, great rivalry. You want to go to one of those games. B, he's got so many of his you know former players on the on the field, you know, and Trey Turner's amongst his favorites. So I don't know. Would love to see Avent out at Oracle this summer. Would be a sight to see. Looking forward to seeing Rodon in the orange and black. Um. That's going to do it for this podcast. Anything else to add, Matt? Any any last thoughts? No. Okay. No, I think we'll uh, NCAA, be, uh, NCAA tournament champion. Here we go. We'll be at uh, Reynolds Coliseum, by the way. What did you say? Uh, uh, give me your men's final four. Is, um, it too, is it too early? Are you in a bracket pool with the with the members? You don't want them knowing your bracket too no, early. It's out. It's, it's out there. I okay. got Gonzaga. Gonzaga beating Kentucky. I got Tennessee versus Kansas. Kansas. Uh, Gonzaga in the title game. Kansas winning 77-73, adding to the misery of. I I I've, I've taken a cue from my friend Joe Gillio. Don't ever pick Gonzaga anymore to win the national championship. So. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say Kansas beats them, knocks them off. Uh, I'm a believer in Bill Self as a coach. Not necessarily as a program runner, but as a coach, I'm a believer in Bill Self. So I got Kansas. Well, it'd be, ni- it'd be nice for Kansas to get that national championship right before the NCAA hammer's about to be dropped. Would they have to take that banner down? How soon? What's the over-under on, on dates? Aren't they part of the FBI investigation? They're waiting. They're awaiting their future. We'll see. They are, but they also gave Bill Self a lifetime contract, so that tells you how much Kansas thinks of the NCAA's investigation. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, uh, I got, I got, I got Gonzaga. I got Kentucky. I got Villanova, and. Uh, I don't even know what to make out of the with the Midwest. That's the bottom right. I mean. I think I originally had Auburn, but Auburn's not, you know, they're they're not heading in the right direction right now. They're not a good team away from home. Maybe Iowa. How about Iowa out of that? Out of that I'm not a Big Ten believer. Not a Big Ten believer. Okay, I agree with I you. Be- I agree with you there, but Iowa, good offensive team. They're not like one of these, you know, Big Ten teams that it's just a rock fight every night. They just, you know, all they do is defend and not turn the ball over. Anyways, uh, who knows what's going to happen. I'm going with the Zags all the way. I think it's – this is their year, Matt. I know you've heard that before, but now it's – now because nobody believes in them, it's actually their year. Okay. Worth that's That's going to do it for this podcast. <laughs> uh, last reminder, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to us. Apple, Spotify, Google Play. 
we're there. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Please give this video a thumbs up if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, drop a comment while you're at it. And uh, follow us on social media. You can follow our main account on Twitter at The Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter. And give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on TheWolfpacker.com. Lastly, head over to the On3 Network, TheWolfpacker.com specifically, because you're a Wolfpack fan, you're listening to this podcast. Head over to TheWolfpacker.com. Take advantage of the special deal the On3 Network has going on. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 Network, which includes all of the great work at the at TheWolfpacker.com. So head over there now. Take advantage of the deal while it's here. And uh, we'll take you well, well through next basketball season. We'll take you right up to March of next year when NC State... You know, we're going to be talking about both NC State men and women, their bracket paths, okay? Maybe. Let's make a deal. We'll see. We'll hold out hope. We'll see what happens with transfer season. That's going to do it for Matt Carter. This is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.